The thing I love most about this rivalry, yeah. everybody's wrong until the result comes in. Let's go. They always say, throw out the records when it comes to this rivalry. On that day, you have to prove that you're the better team in the state of Michigan. I don't get why both teams can't be great at the same time. It doesn't always have to be one or the other. I love you, man, but you're an idiot. A Michigan, Michigan State Podcast. And here's your hosts, Justin Rose and Michael Spath. Happy Football Friday to everybody out there. Every time I hear that open, I can't believe we have a podcast. You know, it's halfway through our first yeah. season of podcast life. Michael Spath. Yeah, do you know what's incredible is we're actually, I mean, this whole thing is built around Michigan, Michigan State, and we are, what, eight days away from the Michigan, Michigan State game? That's true. A little less luster than we thought that was going to be when the when we started this podcast, when the season started. It's true. But it will be here soon enough. Actually, both teams play at noon this weekend, right? And so at about, what, 4 p.m. on Saturday, both teams get to turn their attention. To their yes. in-state rival. Ooh. All the bulletin board material, all the oh, hate, yeah. all the angst. Yeah. Michigan State's going to be coming off a loss I'm, I'm, to Rutgers. <laughs> 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 and Michigan is going to be coming off a 55-3 to win over Indiana. And you will uh, send me a text that says, I hate you, man. No, and you're, you're, you know, you're just yeah. an idiot. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. The, the, yeah. You know, it, it is funny. Well, of course, next week will be... Uh, a, a, a fun filled week of, of talking history. And I'm going to go back and dig through some, some numbers because oh, okay. this feels more like my youth than it did the, you know, Mark D'Antonio era mm. where this is a classic David versus Goliath, like Michigan better not overlook them like they did, or they're going to get, they're going to get popped. And by a team that has no business, no business beating them. Yeah, but I don't, I don't have that fear at all. No, you shouldn't. And you should, neither. I, I'm only saying that because that's how that rivalry played out yeah. for most of my childhood. Was once it. every five years, Michigan State would pull off the upset, right? And everyone would be like, "Wow, I can't believe they, you know, they played them that hard." And and that's why it's we're so ingrained in it, and we we expect so much of our teams, so that when one is not playing to the caliber that we expect this game loses a little bit of that. Which is a shame, too, because, and, and we'll talk, certainly talk more about it uh, next week, but but this game always has meaning to to what you're saying there. even And then look at the, the Rich Rod era and the Brady Hoke era, and that was as low of a point as Michigan could be and has been for the last 50 years, and yet there was always a little bit of a hope, right? You had Denard Robinson. You had Devin Gardner. You had a couple of things working for you and saying, like, hey, maybe maybe Michigan can be the team that pulls the upset over the vaunted Spartans this year. So there's always been something seemingly at stake with, with the exception of what, maybe like two or three years in the last 30 that it's been so clearly defined. There's one team that is way up here and one team that's way down there. And the game is played out that way. And unfortunately, I think we're going to see that this year. I mean, even if you had, even if it is David versus Goliath and you, you pulled that slingshot back and you shot that stone pebble and it, it hit Goliath and Goliath would just be like, just brush the, the stone off and be like, all right, now come here. I'm going to squash you. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's how this one <laughs> certainly feels going into it. But anyways, we'll get to that next yeah. week. Want to thank everybody, obviously for checking out the podcast. We're having a great time with it. We hope you guys are enjoying it. The comments that we're getting seemingly are positive. So we will continue to do our thing here for you guys twice a week. 
We are going to talk a little bit about Michigan State and Michigan basketball today. They had the media days uh, oh, in Minneapolis okay. uh, this past week, and I don't know those Spartans. They 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 are they, they, are they, are they preseason number one. They're not nationally okay. preseason number one, but they're top oh, five. Yeah, uh, they are picked number two in the Big Ten behind Purdue. Oh, yeah, because Matt you Painter. know Zach Eady and Matt Painter doing their regular season wonders and then losing to another. Yeah, 15, 16 seed. They were they lost. That was the was that the two fifteen matchup that they lost. That was, and then <sighs> last year it was the one seed. Yeah, which is on no. the second. Two years ago it was the fifteen seed. Last year, year was it was the one, the one seed, seed, second one seed in the history of the now tournament. Fair Lane Dickinson. How do you? I, mean, I can't even think of their mascot. I, Matt Painter has to be. If you're a Purdue fan, has to be the hardest, like <laughs> internal schism, because you have so much regular season success. The guy is extremely likable. I mean, you the CBS does those polls every year, and they're always like, who is the best coach out there? Who's the nicest guy? Who deserves to win? And it's always like, Matt Painter, Matt Painter, Matt Painter. Like, everybody in college basketball loves him. And if you're Purdue, and yes, you've had some tradition in, in basketball, but you've never been an elite. So, like, do you deserve to be an elite type of thing? But my God, man, like, you're consistently the last few years now one of the going in the tournament, one of the top 10 teams, and you just keep on shitting the bed in the first weekend. No doubt. Like, yeah. You're not even like experiencing. You're getting there in the final four sweet and 16. Like, even. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just anyways, uh, we'll get to that in a little bit uh, of the show, but, but what we wanted to do is we want to do a kind of a reset because mm-hmm. next week we'll be, you know, beyond the halfway point of the season. Uh, Michigan State obviously had their bye. Michigan has their bye, I believe, after Michigan State. Correct. Uh, so we're going to we're gonna kind of look at, like, you know, obviously each team's halfway point success and obviously a little bit different, a little bit different for each team. Uh, let's, start with, let's start with the winning team. Let's start with the team that's, you know, number two in the country. The last two weeks, Michigan has looked like at the first four, they did, but they didn't didn't mm-hmm. if that makes sense from my perspective I mean what's your biggest takeaway from the first six games under Michigan's belt my biggest takeaway is probably this is that they're starting to play really well and that they're that they seem to have flipped a switch starting in the Big Ten season uh you know all when we talked about you can go back and listen to some of the pods with the Jim Harbaugh being suspended for the first three games and forgot about that yeah I, I mean <laughs> you know and and kind of you know Blake Corm trying to get back to full health and they've had some injuries early on in the season they were missing their starting cornerback and safety and uh you know in some other positions but now that they've gotten a big 10 season they've looked like the number two team in the country they've looked like a national championship contender we still won't know until we get to November, until they play Maryland, Penn State, and Ohio State, or Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State in that order. We still won't know for sure how good this team is. But every indication now is that they are building towards that moment, t- towards that November 11th in-state college. And I would say this too, Justin, is uh, even if they lose that game, I'm now looking across the rest of the Big Ten, which we can jump into too, and I don't see Ohio State as a major threat this year. I think Michigan, I don't say we'll truck them, but at home, I could see Michigan winning this game by 10 plus points or more, um, being a, a comfortable lead throughout the game, which would, you know, I think at worst, Michigan's an 11 and one football team this year. And so that's kind of like my biggest takeaway is that they are doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're on the path to where they need to go to be a national champ, a true national championship contender this season they've got it in the quarterback position I think JJ McCarthy has been 
maybe even better than we could have hoped he'd be um, other than one bowling green weird game, but he's been outstanding. The running game has come on. The defense looks lights out. So yeah, that's my biggest takeaway is Michigan is right where they need to be. My biggest takeaway is continuity. Mm. And the thing is, is getting, and we've seen this with a lot of different teams is the complacency that comes sometimes with winning big 10 championships. And I think the best thing that I've seen through these first six games is that they know that there's, they still haven't played a perfect game. They still haven't played to the caliber that they can. And that's saying something when you're winning by 30, 40 points over big 10 opponents. So the hunger that Jim Harbaugh has manifested in that locker room to want to beat Georgia, having a countdown clock or having practice portions to beat Georgia and like the, the, the fixation on beating Michigan state and Ohio state and like making those things mean more than maybe they had in the past. And then being able to say it and then being able to do it is, is pretty incredible. And through, through six games, like, and that's why I was kind of like, you know, I didn't say it, but like in the back of my mind, I'm going, is this Michigan team going to ever really just like prove that they're as good as we think they are? And that was what we kind of didn't see. You know, there were flashes of it and like they didn't need to be at their best. But at the same time, you look at my team and through the first two games, it was like this team's going to this team can win eight games. Yeah, this right. team can this team can catapult. Maybe they can sneak up on somebody if they continue to develop the way. And then they, you know, yeah, yeah. face planted. Yeah. So. That's my big takeaway from Michigan. I, I honestly think that, like, you know, it'll be super interesting once they get through the next three games to to get into that Penn State game, and that's when the, the, ca- the conversation really ramps it's up. It's interesting. I've talked to so many former players who always say that, like, October is the month that, like, separates, right? Because it's, like, when you get in a Big Ten season. And, and for Michigan this year, it is November. Because after the bye, they play Purdue, which is going to be another you know 35-point win. And then it's really November 11th, 18th, 25th. You play on the road at Penn State, play on the road at Maryland, and you come home and play Ohio State. The whole season is going to come down to three weeks for Michigan. And where will they be? And I, you expect them to be in a really good place. Uh, what you don't know is, you know, is injury situation, anything like that that can happen. And and let me ask you this one last question about Michigan before we we look at the first half for Michigan State is, remember how early in the season we kept on getting burned by, if you, you're a gambler, you like to oh, yeah. like picking the spread, and oh, like Michigan yeah. wasn't covering. The last two games, not only are they covered, they've covered comfortably. Yes. So now you look at this, like this crazy point spread against Indiana this week. I think it's 34 and a half. That's a lot. And it's going to be probably like 21 or something, maybe 24 against Michigan State. Are you now starting to say like, that's a pretty good bet to, to take them? You know, that's really interesting because like me and a couple guys from uh, from my my other my other side gig here, uh, we, we put together like these massive parlays and we put like five bucks on it. But if you win, then you get like two grand. Mm. And... Last week, my mortal lock of the week was the Iowa Purdue under. Okay, like what was no under? What was under like thirty six points? Um, and guess God. what it was thirty four. So wow, yeah. But and I said last week too. I said Michigan at Maryland or Minnesota is one. It was nineteen or twenty or twenty one. Yeah, it was a low. It was eighteen. Eighteen. I was like, that is mortal lock. Mm-hmm. And I had a Michigan fan battle back and push back. And he goes, I don't know on the road night game. And I'm like, look at who they're playing. Mm-hmm. So 30, 36 though, because that's the part where people, the coaches have to be smart enough to know that the game is well out of hand at that point. Your backups are going to be playing. Are it's they going to 33 and a half? Are they going to let up a late score? 
or are they going to just get to 35 and say, okay, we're good. And then if, and then, I mean, one field goal or two field goals screws you there. So that's why that point spread is super interesting. We'll pick it later. I'll have to marinate it on it for another little bit while we're, while we're going, but so Michigan state halfway point. Yeah. Let me give you mine first because I'll let you expand out a little bit more. So for me, when I look at this, and it, it's maybe a little bit unfair, but now I'm kind of at a point, you're five games in, uh, you have this reset. What does Michigan State do with the reset is a big thing for me because first two games, like you said, showed a little bit, uh, w- w- had a, some of the optimism, the Washington game, you know, obviously really bad. The Iowa game, we, we talked about earlier, how do you lose that team with the backup quarterback when Cade McNamara is now out for the year? Uh, then you lose again to Maryland. And so when I look at it, and the the rumors, I don't have they been confirmed they're changing the quarterback? Not yet. So it's supposedly they're changing their quarterback for the game tomorrow against Rutgers. You do have a, a in Nate Carter a good running back. You can do some things on the ground. You do have a couple of wide receivers uh that can that have shown early on. Nothing has been consistent yet. One way or another, with maybe the exception of the defensive secondary, it's just not been good. But overall, what can Michigan State do with this second half of the year? If I was Harlan Barnett, I would just throw the first half right in the trash and be like, that's not our season. We're not defining our, defining ourselves by that season at all. Whatever happens these last seven games, this is who Michigan State is. So to me, I think they have an opportunity to, to rewrite the script a little bit. It's not going to be six and one. It's not going to be five and two. But what could it look like? Could it be right. four and three? You know, we talked about there are a lot of winnable games. They do have Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State but the rest of them are all winnable. So what can they do with the second half of the year? That's a great way to put it. And it, and it actually uh, makes me want to talk about it a little bit more than (laughs) just having to sit here and be like, well, you know, Uh, honestly started starting change at quarterback is the number one thing that's going to reset this team. And his success will also be one, a one B right. Quarterback makes the world go round. We know how that works in almost every team in every conference across the country, how your quarterback plays is pretty much indicative of how good you're is. Now, when you go back and you look at the loss to Washington was just, I mean, I honestly truly believe Washington's a playoff team. I think they're going to beat yeah. Oregon this weekend, which and I, tease good tease coming up. Yes. We're gonna pick. I, I honestly think that Washington is one of the best four teams in the country. Okay. I, I really, really do believe that watching how they just have everything figured out. That being said, they were better than Maryland in almost every statistical category except for turnovers and final score. Mm-hmm. And Iowa was the same story. They were better than them statistically except for turnovers and special teams and the final score. So Michigan State has played actual productive numbers-wise football. They just haven't had that difference-maker makes that play. And I think that a quarterback change, if Caden Hauser or Sam Levitt is the guy that we think that they can be, and now we're not going to see it maybe right away, but you're asking me for the second half of the season. Can one of those guys go into Rutgers, piss Scataway, New Jersey this weekend and lead them to a victory? Yes. Then you go into the Michigan game and you think, okay, now, our defense isn't horrible. They're not worse than the Big Ten. They're not be- worse than the pa- passing defense in the Big Ten anymore. They're not great, but they're not they're not horrible like they have been in the recent past. 
this team, I, I think you're totally right. It's a total reset. Like they, they got into the community. They got to do some community events this week, took a refresh. They lost one more guy to the portal who was another mm-hmm. senior who didn't play and wanted to get an opportunity to get more run Jordan Simmons. So he's, he's gone. Good luck to him. But there hasn't been this mass exodus that everybody said that was going to happen. There, there just hasn't. Mm-hmm. And for Michigan fans out there who are like, well, you should just leave. Like, I mean, really? Like none of these guys, it seems like they're still determined to write their own history here. And with these big games coming up, you've got an opportunity yeah. to do so. So I think it's a great way to put it. I'd like to see a little bit more young players get more run. I want to see younger wide receivers get starts. I want to see uh, a young quarterback. I, I, defensively, we're already starting to see that they're pretty sound with who they've got. Like, there's not a lot of changes I'd like to see on the defensive side of the ball. But run the football effectively. I, I mean, they've got a real let me, let me, let me okay ask you. team that yeah. could be better than okay if they could just find that leadership quality, that playmaker that maybe is yeah. the, the diamond in the rough that they just haven't exposed yet. And, like, now's the time to do it. You've got one more buffer game before your juggernaut really starts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, this is going to be very interesting to me because depending on how they play against Rutgers, if they can beat Rutgers, they can give a lot of optimism to the fan base that, Hey, maybe not against Michigan, maybe not against Penn state, but you got Minnesota, you got Nebraska, you got Indiana. If you were to walk away with four more wins on the next seven, I think you would I mean, from where I'm looking, you take that heartbeat. Oh, if they get bowl eligible, that's a massive success. Mm-hmm. You're asking me today. Now, I wanted them to make a bowl game at the beginning of the season as well, and I said that was to be successful, but I thought eight and four, nine and three was yeah. their ceiling. And now to just be in this position where it's like, all right, you've got seven left. What are you going to do with them? Mm-hmm. Like, are you going to go five and two? Are you going to go four and three? Are you going to go three and four? Like, yeah, what yeah. is it going to look like? And, hey, like I said, we know the – the, the schedule that they yeah. have. We know the competition that they're going to face, but you're asking me after week five and a two and three start with some really disappointing losses on there. Yeah. The bowl game would be outstanding. Okay. Okay. You, you, you have, yeah. and you have to have it because you're going to have, you still, have- I, I sense that if they beat Rutgers this weekend, that you're going to uh, counter week five, Justin, who said I'm out. I'm out. I, I'm not, I'm not I'm emotionally, not, I'm, not emotionally, I'm not emotionally reattaching myself to this team. Unless they beat Michigan. But <laughs> that's obviously a far cry from yeah. being something that's going to happen. I think I think if they find a way to beat Rutgers, they lose to Michigan, but they find a way then to win, beat Nebraska and Minnesota back-to-back, you'll go into that Ohio State game, and you will be completely emotionally attached. Until Ohio State scores 20 in the first quarter. 7.30 p.m. at Ohio State. <laughs> yeah. Oh why can't they get the noon game like Maryland did where they're just sleepwalking how, for the first how much three of quarters? A, how much of a uh, travesty is a harsh word, but uh, and, and an, an over-exaggeration, but Penn State, Ohio State next weekend, Michigan, Ohio, Michigan, Michigan State is the 730 game. Ohio State, Penn State is the noon game. Like, can we I know. please flip, flip these flap, things? Flip flop it. Because I would love to watch. And, and, you know, we had, Justin and I had this conversation briefly before we came on the air about, you know, kids versus non-kids. Uh, you know, he and his wife, maybe someday, um, will have children. But we have two. And so the the earlier game slot is just so hard because, like, we've got stuff going on. Like, this weekend, my, you know, there, there's an event at 11 o'clock in the morning tomorrow on Saturday. And it's like, my family wants to go to it. Well, I mean, the Michigan game starts at noon. So I'm going to go. I'm going to put the game on delay. I don't mind for this type of game. 
but like next weekend, like I want right. to have the popcorn out on the edge of my seat watching Mich- uh, Ohio State, Penn State. I don't know what that, what that will necessarily. It is, it's, it's look, the ratings drive the world, and Michigan, Michigan State always draws a crowd, and so does Ohio State, Penn State, which yeah. is why it's on Big Noon because that's one right. of the highest rated time slots of the. Will weekend. Michigan, Michigan State, because it's at night, outdraw yes. Ohio State, Penn State? I believe it will. But it has to be a competitive game. Yeah. And that's where it's like, I don't know if, like, it will be. Right. I mean, when they were, what, five and eight, the other, or six and nine or whatever it was a couple of years in 2021 when they had that, the best, the best Michigan-Michigan State game. I know my team won, so it was still the best. But that still had to be a very thrilling game for you from yeah, your it was perspective. A, it, was like, a, it was a very uh, competitive. It was a, you I mean, know, you guys was, went up by, like, 17 at one point and you thought it was over yeah. and Michigan state yeah. comes back and then Michigan comes well, back. If they, like, if the officials don't blow the call. Oh, here the it comes. <laughs> then Michigan wins it going away. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Kenneth Walker doesn't put on the Cape in the second half. Let's see here. I'm trying to look at yeah, the yeah. history books and see what happened. I oh, think, you know, it uh, doesn't say that there was an asterisk next that. to oh. it. Oh, it's too bad. It should. It should. If you ask one fan base, <laughs> there's certainly an asterisk yeah, next yeah. to it. But, you know, we, that to might us. be that might be something we could talk about next week. Is what are the what are the games that are in dispute between Michigan and Michigan State oh, that will far that more will on your live side <laughs> forever in infamy among one fan base? You you're right. There are there's the trip game. Desmond Howard oh, tripped yeah. in the end zone. There's Spartan this Bob. one. The Spartan Bob. So there's three right off the bat that Michigan feels like. They Whoa, were. he has trouble with the snap. I, the we won't. We will not. We will not discuss that up one because I'll get Michigan out of the chair. And, oh. Jalen Watts Jackson. I'm. I'm. And he to me, scores to me, on the last play of the game. To me, that one comes down on coaching. You had an opportunity. First of couple of times you had, you could have like taken the clock all the way down to one and you like snapped the ball with 10 seconds to go. Which was just like mind numbing. Like, what do you like? That doesn't. That, that's like Mario. All right, Cristobal coming up level. next. Who's worse, Mario Cristobal or Jim Harbaugh? Ah. We're taking your calls. Mario Cristobal for sure. <laughs> hey, our friends at Detroit City Distillery have a great uh, promotion going on for this month of October. A Michigan, Michigan State owned business in Detroit. Um, you can uh, tweet at Justin or I or follow us on Instagram. Uh, or you're, are you on threads? I don't know. I'm not I on am threads. On, I am on threads. Okay. Well, so yes. wherever you find us, uh, and J Rose D E T on Twitter, Michael Smith, I T H on Twitter and, uh, tag us, uh, with either DCD Wolverine. If you're a Wolverine fan or DCD, uh, Spartans, if you are a Michigan state fan and at the end of the month, we are going to pick one person who tags us. And that person gets to bring seven of their friends with them on a Detroit city distillery tour, uh, down at Eastern market. Um, there'll be a tasting. So you'll enjoy some bourbon, some whiskey, some rye, some, uh, gin, all the good things you'll get to hang out with, uh, Justin and his wife, Katie and my wife, uh, Amy and myself, as we talk about uh, what happened in the Michigan, Michigan state game. So, um, great promotion going on from our friends at Detroit city distillery. So Justin, you picked what you're saying. Washington is in the playoff. Washington's in the playoff. Here's my problem with picking any team in the pac 12 is their upcoming slates. They just pick each other off. And there's no doubt I have Washington's schedule picked up right now as we're talking about it. Five ranked teams remaining on their schedule. Correct. Oregon has four ranked teams remaining on their schedule. USC has five ranked teams remaining on their schedule. But here's why Washington's set up for success. Because besides one of those games, Washington has most of these ranked opponents at home. True. And I look at them after they beat Oregon this weekend. Mark it down. Minus three. Take the points. Uh, take them covering the points. I think Washington wins this one by 
10. Uh, they go to Arizona, or they host Arizona State. Then they go to Stanford. So you got two more weeks to kind of keep greasing the wheels. Then you go to USC. And I am not impressed with Caleb Williams and USC. Now, Caleb well, hold Williams on. I'm himself, impressed with Caleb Williams, yeah. Yes, but the rest of that team defensively, they're a what are they giving sieve. up? What are they giving up defensively oh. in Pac-12 play? I'm going to look it up while you're, it's, while you're still it's talking. It's no good. Then they get Utah, who's ranked, but they get him at home, which huge advantage not going uh, to Utah for that game. Then they go on the road to Oregon State, but I don't really believe in Oregon State. Mm. And then they have the Apple Cup against Washington State at home. So their two toughest games are at USC and at Oregon State. Eh. I, I, eh. Like, I don't see them. And to be fair, even though Michigan State wasn't a quality opponent that weekend, they've already traveled for a significant, like, a road game, right? So they've got that experience underneath their belt. That's why I think Washington, plus they have one of the best seasoned college quarterbacks. Penix may not be an NFL stud like Caleb Williams will be, but Michael Penix knows that offense inside yeah, and yeah. out, and he's the best. I think he's, I truly believe he should be in consideration for the Heisman. I think he is oh, he the will. best college quarterback in the country. Yeah, no, now, I, I, he's looked outstanding. His I, prospects I for the next level are, are what they are, but as far as, that's why college and the NFL are so different, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can play like two years like, and be like a whatever, and they go to the NFL and be a practice squad guy. I mean, Drew Stanton was a 15-year backup and made Brian Hoyer, same thing, made all this money being a backup quarterback because they were good college quarterbacks. But yeah, I think yeah. Michael Penix is a great college quarterback. Well, I you're, so... First of all, real quick on USC, last two weekends, giving up 41 to Colorado and 41 to Arizona. They also gave up 28 to Arizona State. Uh, There's no defense. Yeah. So, Penix is going to eat them up. I mean, take the over yeah, as well. Which would be a lot of fun. I'll say this. If Washington either runs the gamut with their schedule or loses just one game in there, then I would definitively put them among the favorites to win the national championship. They would still have to play one more game in the Pac-12 championship uh, and in the Pac-12, like the Big 12, and I think like the ACC now has thrown out divisions, and so it's just the top two teams right. play each other. Um, so, yeah, I, I could see it. I just think between USC, Oregon, uh, Washington, there's just so many games against marquee opponents that they're going to pick each other off. So I don't have I don't have anybody coming out of the, the Pac-12. The other thing that is interesting for me when I look at who are the four final teams in the college football playoff is if Texas runs the table and the big 12 other than Texas and Oklahoma is extremely weak this year. Mm -hmm. You know, Kansas feel good story. Uh, their quarterback's been banged up. I, I don't think they can really go toe to toe. They're not going to put up a threat. Iowa state is not the Iowa state. We saw the last couple years with Matt Campbell, same with Oklahoma state with Mike Gundy. There's just nobody who's really going to beat one of those two teams. So you could see a big 12 championship matchup of Oklahoma versus Texas. If Texas wins the game, how do you stand up there and say, well, Texas has that win and the win over Alabama. Oklahoma's only losses to Texas in the big 12 championship and beat Texas earlier in the year. You might have both these teams in the college football playoff. And then you got Georgia and then you got, you know, the big 10, the big 10 champion. You can't take, you can't take a one loss non champion over. I, I don't disagree, but I, I think that's where Washington's in a spot where they, they can't, 
They, they can't, can't afford be, to lose. They can't be an eleven and two. No Pac twelve champion. They've got to be no a twelve and one. No two lost team yeah. is no two lost team will get in this year. This this year it's gonna be I'm also under- looking at Florida State's schedule. And Florida State's I, I I'm not a believer in Florida State. They had the nice win over LSU early in the year, but LSU is now starting to look right. pretty, pretty iffy. Yeah. I, I and Florida State, though they don't have they have a game against Miami. They don't really have a big schedule coming up. They will probably play North Carolina in the ACC championship, but North Carolina doesn't have a lot coming up. So it's one of those things where a couple of these conferences just are not very deep, similar to the big 10. The big 10 has three big teams and that's it. Uh, so depending on how they pick each other off, it's going to be an interesting year, but I, I will, I just can't go with the PAC 12 champion. I just think there's, there's going to be too many losses on the schedule. All right. That, 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 that's, that's your opinion. My opinion is that Washington runs the table and that Washington plays for and plays for a national championship. I think they're that good. Okay. Well, I like it. I'm going to take Georgia because, I mean, uh, duh, yeah. right? Like the most obvious one. Sure. I'll take the Big Ten champion. I'll take the Big 12 champion. And then it comes down to whether it's the Pac-12 champion or a second Big Ten team. So the ACC's out. I don't think the ACC is going to have an impressive resume, honestly. I really don't. I don't, I don't hate, I don't hate the idea. I definitely think that, that it's definitely going to be one or two big 10, one or two sec, one big 12, and then one pack 12 or one ACC. Mm-hmm. That's what you're going to like. You're going to get. So oh no, one of those is going to be left out. If not both. Yeah. Which but is, they can't which, possibly leave out both. How did and that's, they ever put together a 14 where, playoff where you had five major conferences the, and one was always going to be left out and some years two are left out. The, it never should have been that way. The, the NCAA, well, like college football as a whole, is just, it's such a mess right now. That's another conversation for another day. Um, but I do think I do think it would be uh, a proper for us to, to, to touch on basketball. Well, be, real quick, before you get that, so we just kind of did our, I mean, quasi-playoff. We didn't really pick four teams. We kind of we cheated. Well, yeah. Since we're at the halfway point, before we get to basketball, your Big Ten championship game, is it's it's someone in the east versus nothing in the west. It's, but who do you who, who do you got? Well, I think Michigan's going to play for another Big 10 title. Um Wisconsin? I mean, Wisconsin Iowa plays this weekend. Whoever so the winner wins this of that game, game is going to play in the Big 10 West. God. Can you imagine Iowa getting to You talked about it last pod. Yeah. Iowa going 11 and 1 with with this offense, there's no way. They're going to get tripped up again. There's no way. And that's why I think Wisconsin eventually wins this weekend because Wisconsin's offense at least is enough to move the ball down the field. They figured out how to throw the football in the forward direction. Um, what time is that? That game is at 4 p.m. on Fox. Ten po- Wisconsin's a 10-point favorite. Yeah, Wisconsin should Wisconsin should cover that. I, I really believe that. they, And that's at Wisconsin, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it Wisconsin is. will win. All the right, game. so Wisconsin versus Michigan. Wisconsin versus Michigan is my Big Ten prediction, and, and I Michigan think Michigan wins. wins by a bajillion. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Okay. You? I'll take that. Yeah. I think, I think that makes sense. Hard to argue. No. Yeah, it's, it's sound reasoning. The only thing I can think is if Penn State somehow, some way, finally puts it together against Michigan. Mm-hmm. And today, I can't, I can't say that they're going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they'll present Michigan with its biggest challenge, and that'll teach us a lot about who Michigan is, really, uh, when they when they have to go to Happy Valley and play that one. But I think Michigan will be extremely ready for that game, like because they have been hearing all year they're gonna they're going to be able to. No offense to your Spartans, but they're gonna be able to 
walk through these next four games. None taken. Or three games. And then they're going to play Penn State, and they are going to be salivating to go out there and show who they are to the rest of college football. Did you see what James Franklin had to say about And James Michigan? Franklin keeps opening his <laughs> dumb mouth and he, saying things. So for those of you who didn't hear it, James Franklin was at his like press conference uh, earlier this week and basically said, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said something along the lines of, there's a team in our conference that continues to buy out of contracts so that they can play lesser opponents because going undefeated is, is that important. And look, I know it was a veiled shot at Michigan, but he's not wrong. And like, the thing is, is like, it is important to be undefeated going into the big games of your season. Cause if you do trip up in the non-conference uh, and Michigan's going to get a full dose of this next year, cause they ain't got no more, you know, sisters oh, yeah, of the Texas. poor. Yeah, Texas. They got Texas in the non-con yeah, Fresno and state. Fresno state. And then they've got all of the smoke coming from the big 10. So Michigan going undefeated next year is a lot less, would be way more impressive, way more impressive than doing it this year. But James Franklin makes a, Valid point. And he's not the only coach to have said it, not just about Michigan, but in general. I mean, how do the SEC teams, tell me, how do the SEC teams get to play Army? An FCS opponent an in FCS week 11? Exactly. Yeah. No, that, because that, they're that, resting their players up for the most important game of the year in the, in the SEC championship game or the final game of the regular. Like, there are ways that teams have figured out competitive advantages playing Bad non-conference team is a competitive advantage. And if you don't like it, too bad. Beat them. Yeah. I will say, you know, I think James Franklin, look, he's played West Virginia this year. He's played Auburn in the last two years. He's He was making that statement the week that they're playing UMass. Yeah, that's probably not. And he story. also played Delaware earlier in the season. He played Villanova last year. So I don't know that he's the man to stand up there. And Michigan... 41-17, James. 41-17. That was a score last year when you guys came in as a top 10 opponent. So I would, if I was James Franklin, so I might have waited until after you beat Michigan to say something like, well, you know, we felt like that was a team that maybe hadn't been tested out throughout the year because they hadn't played anybody really strong and we knew we could say something if you want to do that after you, if you beat Michigan. But if they go out there, you just provided some bulletin board material where they, where you really didn't need to give Michigan bulletin more, more material. Right. Oh man, did you did you yeah. hear the question that one of the reporters asked? I did not. James Franklin. He, he, it was on like a Zoom or something, and James Franklin's standing up there, and the guy goes, "So why don't why don't you guys just throw the ball like chuck it down the field more?" And James was James was like, "I don't I don't understand your reasoning." He's like, "My skin is crawling with you asking me that question. Like, what do you mean?" And he's like, "Well, why don't you like you know instead of like running the ball on first down, why don't you just take like a." a deep post shot. And he's like, in what, like, you just, just want us to throw it down the, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And the guy, I think what he was trying to say is why don't you try to loosen up the defense by throwing some deep shots? Even yeah. if you don't connect on them, yeah. you're, you're, you know, you're getting defenses to stop crowding the box, which is a valid concern. But the way he asked it, it's like, it's almost like, have you ever played Madden? All verts? Did you just, why don't you just run that play? Like yeah, it was yeah. so funny. Cause his response was like, I would never ever do that just to do that. Like you, it well, was, it's yeah. just classic James Franklin being like, 
I, I ever tell you my James Franklin story? No. Oh, I got a good one. Okay. I got a good one. So it's two pronged. It was right after Penn State kind of hired him. Uh, so this was back in 2012 or 13. Yeah. And there were all those like allegations coming out of Vanderbilt about um, his potential knowledge of some sexual assault by some of his players. So he's doing a media campaign in Pittsburgh. Hmm. So he's in Pittsburgh. We're at this like, you know, convention center. Me and the, uh, the others, the other TV station in Pittsburgh are the only two people there. So we're going to get one-on-ones wow, with them. Nice. So we are told by, and I know the uh, SID for Penn State really well from my time in Pittsburgh. And Jeff comes up to me. He's like, hey, like, we're going to let you do whatever you want. Do not bring up because he can't talk about it. He's going to tell you he can't talk about it. So all you're going to get is I can't talk about that. And you're going to ruin the interview because he's going to be grumpy On edge, if, yeah. if you ask yeah. him about it. And I said, hey, this is part of, the, for those of you who don't know, this is part of the game, right? Like, yeah, you, you, you have to understand, yeah. like, yes, there are certain reporters and certain people that are going to go in there and they're going to have to ask those questions. Not the sports, like, guy. Like, not right. the guy who's talking about, like, right. you know, you're, 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 not the welcome tour. you're not the investigative reporter. I'm not the investigative reporter. So they let the other station go first. First question uh, out of the mouth of the other guy is, so what's going on with the Vanderbilt, you know, sexual assault? And basically, he almost got up and walked out of that interview and then could, would have completely wow. kiboshed mine. Didn't happen. We go outside. So I'm like, let's get some fresh air. Let's, you know, show Pittsburgh in the background, you know, the whole thing. We're on a bike trail. And my, and I'm not joking. You and I are what? Uh, three feet, four feet apart? Too close. Definitely too close. Uh, we're this close from our camera and we're on a bike trail and we're getting ready. And I look down and I see this biker coming. Now he has to clearly see a giant tripod, one of those big <laughs> TV cameras, two people yeah. standing yeah. within close proximity of each other. We are on the bike path, but there was a way around okay. either side. Through the pond. No, no, no. Like, there's just the grass. Okay. This biker doesn't even slow wow. down and zips right in between us. I mean, we're talking about an alley this big. So, I mean, it was close. Our hair got wisped. And I have a screenshot. I will have to pull it up, and I will put it on the video recording on YouTube of this podcast. James Franklin and I are both, like, looking at this biker. You can see, like, the flash of him. And Franklin's face is like... <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. And he's like, well, that turned my mood around. And wow. so we had a great interview. Great. Yeah. Uh, but, but anyways, James Franklin, he's an interesting bird, man. I, I, I tell you, I've been in a couple of his press conferences. He's, he's just, he's just not really great with the media. Mm -hmm. And tell me how many coaches are. Uh, it's not a lot, not a lot. No, I'm trying to think of like, like, I think Izzo's really good with the media. Yeah. Um, I actually thought Beeline, John Beeline, I thought Beeline was really good yeah. in a different way. I mean, he, he was self-deprecating. He was, he, he would have given up really thoughtful answers, which I always appreciated. Um, I, I mean, Juwan is not good. No transition Juwan, here. Juwan is, Juwan is, Juwan is honestly one of the worst I've seen with the media. He's, um, he, we, we used to do uh one-on-one. -on -one, so I got to know John Beeline really well. And so every week I would try to do something a little different. So one time I had, uh, I shot three pointers and had him give me tips and I put together a little like fun package of him, like, you know, rebounding for me. Oh, and nice. it yeah. was great. I mean, yeah. John Beeline was like, yeah, he's, he's that kind of guy. He's that kind of guy. And like, same thing with Izzo where it's like walk through his office or go through like, you know, and like have, have sit down and talk about non-basketball things. And yeah. he's always good with stuff like that. Uh, and then when, so we did that weekly with Beeline and then when he left and Juwan came in, 
we're Michigan was still like, yeah, we're still going to do, it. we're still good to go. Yeah. And I remember my, I walk, I, you know, I walked up to, to Juwan and I'm, I'm so excited to meet him. I'm like, let's make a new partnership. Like, you know, like acquaintanceship and whatever. And there's a meme that I posted because we're standing there getting ready to do the interview. This guy was so checked out of being there with me. Mm. He's looking around and like, I'm standing here and I'm like, so how are you? How are things like da, 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 da. And he's just like looking around. Yeah, 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 man, it's good. And I was talking about his shoes. He's got some cool shoes on, like, you know, the whole thing. And nothing. Yeah. And, and he's just I, kind I just, of a cardboard maybe, box. Maybe it'll come. I, I just don't think that he, I'd be curious though, because you spend that much time in the NBA and you're going to have a lot of, a lot of interaction with the media. And so either he got burned somewhere along the way. He just decided like, I'm just not going to talk to them at all. Like, I'm just not going to share. Or he just has never really been. I'd be, I would, if I was still on the beat, I'd almost be curious to go talk to some of the people who used to cover him with the bullets or the, you know, the, what, the, heat. What, the, the heat and like, just say like, what did you do to get him to open up? I, I think one of the things is, as I, I get frustrated, I'm sure that the beat does get frustrated. So they will ask him, I think a pretty legit question sometimes, maybe. Maybe a guy goes out there and he's, you know, one from 13 from three. And you say like, Hey, Juwan, you think uh, Jordan Poole should, uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's something different. Tell him to tell him to dial back. Well, we love Jordan Poole. We want Jordan Poole to be able to like shoot the ball whenever he wants to shoot the ball. And it's like, yeah, but he went one to 13, right? Like, yeah, like you can, you can say, you can offer a little bit of constructive criticism. He doesn't do that at all in any press conference. I mean, I, I know. Michigan fans always take issue with, with Izzo where they think they, he throws people under the bus, but at least like there's an honest answer a lot of times, right? Like, I think, I think the one thing that you're looking for is some level of honesty in whoever you interview. And I know that they can't go out there and be like, well, you know, let's just use Jordan Poole since he's not on the team. Like, ah, Jordan Poole sucked today. Like he was terrible, right? Like well, this guy needs to get his head exam. I mean, like, you can't say that. Well, there's two extremes. It's the one extreme where you give nothing. And then there's the extreme where you give too much. Finding the middle ground yeah. is where media training comes in so yeah. clutch and like being real about it. Like, yeah. because people can read through the fakeness, uh, as it is anyways, uh, big 10 media days. We had, uh, you know, everyone out in Minnesota. I, I, you know, obviously, uh, Sadie Washington was representing mm. Michigan and Juwan Howard as he is still, um, not, uh, timetable is not, mm. it, it's an undetermined time when Juwan is going to return Correct. to the sidelines over the yeah, um, off season. Wish here. him the best. Obviously, hopefully he, he comes back strong and, and is good to go. Um, as far as the, the preseason poll, I think Michigan was ranked, uh, down 11. Uh, yeah. Down and down in the, the dumpster there. Mm -hmm. And Michigan state was, uh, I think two behind Purdue, as I, as I mentioned, uh, some people have him at number one, but I, I truly, and I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. This is Tom Izzo's best chance at a national title mm. in the last. And now he had Cassius Winston and that crew that got COVID screwed them out of their opportunity to potentially run the table. That team was really peaking at the right time. But talent-wise, experience-wise, where are your talents at? Backcourt is everything, as you know, in the NCAA tournament. Tyson Walker, A.J. Hogard coming back. You've got depth in the front court. Carson Cooper is suddenly like a tangible, you know, mm -hmm. not just like a, a guy that's just on your practice squad. He's giving minutes. You've got one of the best talented freak athlete classes. You got a point guard. You got two uh, big guys, and you've got Cohen Carr. Remember the name Cohen Carr, people. Mm -hmm. 
he will dazzle you with some of he's the best dunker. And they had Jason Richardson. They well, had, that's they, high praise because Richardson was pretty Richards, special. Richardson has said that Cohen Carr is a better dunker than him. Mm. So it, it, it this team just feels like they've got it all going on. These freshmen are already like integrated into, you know, the system and like they've been there all summer. I think it's Michigan State's truly a season mm. where it's a national championship or bust. I'll say it today, October twelfth. National championship or bust. I think I think when you when you look at the NCAA tournament, it is such a I mean, the craziest things happen. I always say get to the second weekend because if you are one of the top ten teams in college basketball, then you should have no problem getting past the fifteen seed, the fourteen seed, and you should have no problem getting past that second round game and getting to the sweet sixteen. After you get the sweet sixteen, you're gonna start playing better teams. You don't know who else is on a tear. But if you are a team that has been putting together all year, you should, you, you really should, if you're the Dukes, the Kansas, you really should be looking at like final four weekend, we get there and then anything can happen. True. So I, I'm looking at your team and yeah, I mean like guys that really, I will say this, the guy who really stood out to me last year was Tyson Walker down the stretch. I thought he was outstanding. If he can be the player he was the last five to seven games of the season throughout the course of the year, I mean, that's a huge building block. Uh, AJ Hoggard uh, was was Hogard. Hogard, sorry. Jesus. Um, you can tell I'm a little rusty. Really liked him. He did some really nice things against Michigan. A he is that type of player who you want to have the ball in his hands. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. They get Suzoko back. Uh, they got who, a little got, up and down, but they got Malik Hall coming back as Malik well. Hall. I mean, another yeah. guy. Like he's, he's, he's never been hundred percent healthy. He's okay. never been hundred percent healthy. Because I've been waiting for Malik Hall to be like that breakout season and it just never seems to come. I, it, it could be this one, but the depth is there. Uh, I, honestly, now who's on Michigan's team. They got a lot of transfers. Um, they got Namari Burnett from Alabama. They picked up, uh, uh, Oliver Nakmawa. I don't know how to say it. Olivier. Sorry. Uh, Olivier from, from Tennessee. Yeah. That was um, a big one. That was, that a, was big a big one. one. Trey Jackson from Seton hall. They got three new players there. Uh, they got, you know, a, a young freshman. Honestly, I don't have, I don't have high expectations for this team. They've got a lot of, they, they don't have a dependable backcourt at all. They've got Doug McDaniel, who nice, nice player. Um, probably, honestly, I'll give him credit. Like he was able to show that he could be a starting point guard in this league when Jalen Llewellyn went down. So I, I, I like him, but they don't have the, the rest of their backcourt is completely unproven between Jalen Llewellyn coming back from his uh, ACL injury. You know, Nabari Burnett, can he be a reliable two? Terrence Williams had a really poor junior season as your as your three. Um, you know, then they're George Watt. I mean, they just don't have they just don't have guys. Like they don't have any guys that you look at the roster and you say, like, well, that guy's that guy, you know what you're gonna get from him. I'm surprised that that their recruiting has struggled as much as it as it has. Because Juwan is that kind of players well, coach and, and, and he's put guys in the NBA. He's put a lot of guys in the NBA and it's been one and two years and they're on. on I mean, moving. his son and Kobe Bufkin both went top 15 picks last year. Yep. Uh, I mean, he does have a track record of guys going to the NBA and doing pretty decently in the right. NBA. They all play for Orlando. <laughs> they do. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Franz Wagner is considered one of the best up and coming players in yep. the NBA. So you're right. Uh, I think the NIL thing, Michigan was really good in recruiting pre NIL basketball has not really has not picked up where like, football's kind of started to figure it out. They also figured out the portal. 
I think Juwan has picked up some decent additions with the portal. They lost. They had the the, the transfer from North Carolina, who then um, I don't know if it was oh, a, Caleb Love. Yeah, it was yeah. an admissions issue or something or or whatnot. But yeah, they have not done a great job the last year and a half with the recruiting. They had a they had a a four star Papa Conte who decommitted or asked out of his letter of intent. Their upcoming classes are not dynamic on paper. I think Juwan has a lot to prove to this fan base right now, I not only on the court, but off the court. I do think he's a year removed from all the on-court shenanigans, the antics, the things that he got in trouble for. You mean slapping a guy? Hitting a guy, getting in Mark Turgeon's face, like all those different things. Like That's now far enough removed. He can't do it again. Still, oh, he can't do it again. But yeah, again, he's, he's got to be fired. He's, he's, they're picked to finish 11th. To me, what is a successful season for Michigan this year is to probably finish like top eight in the big 10 be competitive in most games. I don't want to have a Michigan state game where they get, where they lose by 25 points. I do. <laughs> well, obviously <laughs> I don't want to have that game. I don't want to have a game against Purdue where they lose by 25 points. I want to be competitive in most games. And if they make the tournament, I would take that as a huge, that would win. be a massive win yeah. for this Michigan team with, with all of the pieces. Now, Juwan's got to come back from, you know, his, his health thing. And he, first of all, let's be clear. He needs to come back healthy Absolutely. and he needs to be ready to, to get into that like grind and that, you know, cause that's, that's not a joke. It's not a joke when, when like people don't realize how many hours these people spend in the offices watching film. This might like, be Phil Martelli's team this year. Yeah, it really might be. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way to, and, and Sadie Washington, who's. And I know, of, and you know even, even to your, what your point is, is like, say Juwan is healthy enough to return to action in January, something like that. You almost. You know, I don't know how that'll play out, but do you let, depending on where the team is, do you let him almost be, I don't want to say him be the assistant coach, but just still kind of let Phil Martelli. Right. It's like how in, how in sync are they as Phil and Juwan today? So that knowing that when Juwan does eventually return, he comes back and they don't skip a beat. That, that'll be something for them uh, to discuss. All right. We're going to talk much more college basketball uh, in the future. Uh, I did tease something on the last pod that we didn't get to today. It was about the coaching search for Michigan oh, okay. State. We don't have time for it today. We will do it the beginning of rivalry week because okay. that'll kind of, it's a spirited thing and it'll get me all fired up and I'll get all sassy about it. So we will uh, reconvene next time for our, our, uh, our, our podcast here. You got um, your picks? I do have my picks. I think Michigan State actually gets a win against okay. Rutgers. Okay. Uh, they're eight and one all time against them. Uh, they're five and a half point dogs. Rutgers is seemingly one dimensional and the way that Michigan state was able to slow down Iowa enough. I think the quarterback change will be enough for Michigan state to produce three touchdowns, three touchdowns. And I don't think Rutgers is going to be able to move the ball effectively uh, as much as they might think against Michigan state's front seven. So give me Michigan state 27 to 21. Okay. I, I think your pick, I could see this. I could see a path to a Spartans victory this weekend just because we talked about this when Rutgers played Michigan. Gavin Wimsett was more of a running quarterback than a great thrower. Now, he had a couple of really nice dimes uh, in the first half against Michigan, and then it just wore down. There's still a better running football team that does play to Michigan State's strength defensively. I, I The quarterback situation for Michigan State is just such a wild card because I don't know what to expect from Hauser at all. It can't be any worse. So it can't be any worse. <laughs> um, he's had now two weeks to prepare for this moment if he is the guy, and we expect him to be the guy. Uh, on Saturday, I'll take the Spartans in a close one, uh, 20 to 14 covering and, uh, and then Michigan, 
you know, favored by 33 and a half. I loved your di- your, your analysis as a gambler um, earlier in the episode. 33 and a half is a lot. A lot of points. I mean, if he was 28 and a half, I think we both take I think it. I, yeah, four touchdowns is is in a field goal. But you but get into the end of the game. Michigan's pulled off its starters. Right. Indiana's probably got more to prove at that point. It's backup is, or maybe even its starting quarterback is in there trying to get his thing going. I'll take Michigan 42 to 14. So it does not cover. Okay. Maybe even 45 to 14 does not cover. So we just witnessed them blow out Minnesota on the road. 55 or 52 to 10, 52 to 10. 52 to 10. I think it's the same type okay. score. I think it's the same type of beatdown. I'm just worried about that last touchdown. That's 17 or 10 points. What's it going to be for Indiana? So let me go 50, no, 49-17. So they would not cover. They would not because of that. Yeah. Li- I think I, I j- there's something spooky. It's like the Carolina Lions game where they get yes. that they get that, that touchdown in the last. T- that, I lost yeah. the 21 and a half because of that late touchdown. Wow. I, and I feel like that's the same scenario. Indiana just sneaks something in late against the third string Michigan defense. It's not a major letdown, but it is for the betters out there. So be careful with that game. Uh, I just think there's also Michigan state money line is, is, you know, it's only like, it's not a lot. It's only like two eighty. So it's not like you're going to make like a huge, it's not like 400 or 300 or anything huge. I still think you take the five and a half just in case to cover your bases, but Hey, Two teams double for the first for the well not the first I time would, but it would be for the a, first time it matters yeah it would be a great be a weekend nice... in our household if Michigan State finds a way because and I think this too for the sake of rivalry week next week I gotta have both winning if they both win or they're both coming off of victories and State is now three yep. and three and Michigan is seven and zero oh, we it literally just, it would mean a little bit more we literally live for this week and if both teams or one team doesn't show up this weekend. Ugh. It's like, okay, ready to fight. Yeah, not really. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like when you get yelled at by your parents with your brother or your sister, and then you're like, you, you want to fight anymore? And you're like, no, not really. <laughs> like, you know, it's just like, whatever. But uh, all right. Well, hey, thanks so much. Halfway through our season, uh, the college football season as well. Michael Spath, I love you. But you're an idiot.